This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Breaking Pod. We are here to talk about season two, episode four of Breaking Bad. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Zach. Zach, how are you doing tonight? Doing great, man. Yeah, it's, I'm glad to be here. It's been a little bit too long since we did the last one, but I know that you and I both have been pretty busy, both of us starting new jobs in the past right. few weeks. So we're trying to get our feet feet firmly underneath us there, but I'm glad to be back. Zach, can I tell you that I'm, I'm a little upset tonight because as of the, rec- the recording of this podcast, it's uh, August 10th, and the NL East, we're both baseball fans. Oh my goodness. It's, it's, <laughs> it's gone haywire. It's because, so bad. Because your Phillies and my Nationals are, are ceding a lot of ground to the New York Mets. And I that know. is very, so very bad. disappointing. I don't actually know. Let me, let me uh, pull up my, my app real quick. I do know that the Phillies lost earlier today. I do not know what happened to the Mets. But oh, as won. of this morning, okay. So the, they so, won. They beat the all Nets. Right. All right. So yeah, the Phillies are now in fourth place in the National League <laughs> East. A, uh, a division they once led at one point in the season. So, and yeah, the Braves, uh, the Braves got well. walked off by the Marlins. So I don't know. It's we're it's in haywire. a topsy turvy. We're in a topsy turvy NL East situation. And I know yeah, the, if, the Mets are on an eight game win streak. Yes, and they, in their last 16, 16 games, they've won fifteen. So terrible. Uh, unless you're a Mets fan, uh, this has not been a great baseball couple of weeks for NL East fans. It's a mirage, though. The Mets will come back to earth. Yeah, so other than that, I'm doing well, and I'm excited to talk about this episode. Should we jump into our two-minute summary? Let's go. Let's go right into it. All right, so we open the episode with another cryptic pre-credit scene. This is continued from the rest of the season's episodes. I think this is the third time we've seen this. It's shot all in black and white, except for this pink stuffed animal teddy bear being pulled out of a pool. And this time, we're seeing a little bit more. We're pulling back the curtain a little bit, seeing a lot of other items being pulled out of this pool by what appears to be maybe a chemical worker. We're not sure what his profession is. And and then we cut to the credits. So we're still seeing that unfold. And as the episodes continue in season two, we're going to continue to see more and more episodes. And when we get to the end of season two, fun fact, we'll be able to tell you a way that you could have predicted which episodes are going to have this pre-credits scene. So I'll save that as a little tease for later. So now we're back into our current timeline here, and we're watching Jesse and Walt. They're having a super secret meeting in a gas station. It it seems like they thought this was a really, really good idea, but they're plotting their next moves. Stupid. You got a better idea? Okay, fun, whatever. So when do we, you know? We don't, for now. No cooking until things settle down. Settle down. You're the one that said nothing's changed. Okay, so Walt, you know, gives Jesse a little bit of emergency money. Jesse comes to him and says, look, I don't have any money. What am I going to do? He gives him what amounts to $600, which Walt thinks is very generous, and Jesse thinks is chump change, essentially. And Walt, as you heard in the clip, tells Jesse to lay low, despite the fact that in the last episode, he was telling Jesse they've got to get back to cooking right away. The next morning, we see Walt. He has made a huge breakfast spread for his family it's way over the top and he's totally overplaying his hand um, wow good morning honey hey mom um 
Dad's cooking breakfast. But don't worry, I'm also doing all the dishes. Mm. Huh? 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 Nice. Follow me. There's also orange juice and grapefruit juice, which personally, as you know, I've never been a fan of, but considering all the polyphenols and the lemonoids, can't hurt. So after this super over-the-top breakfast, Skylar walks out of the house after Walt tries to give her another spiel about you know, how he doesn't really have a second cell phone and it was the alarm on his phone instead and she doesn't buy it and she walks right out of the house. So Jesse then gets an eviction notice from his parents who technically own half of his house and we learn that in the course of this that the house, which was, as we knew before, was owned by Jesse's aunt, was intended to be left to him but he's really only been staying there and he tells his parents quite forcefully that he deserves the house because he took care of his aunt while she was dying from cancer. He took her to all of the appointments and that his parents did absolutely nothing. So it sounds like a pretty compelling argument, but his parents say, no way, you've got to get out of the house. They, you know, they sit him down with a lawyer. It's very formal and, and it feels very sad for Jesse. So now we're back with Walt and Walt is going to take Walt Jr., who now goes by the name of Flynn. This is a whole thing I'd like to talk about later. Yeah, um, he's sure. going to take him he's going to take him on a driving lesson. But Walt Jr has already had some lessons from his friend and let's just say the driving lesson does not go super well. Walt Jr <laughs> thinks that it's a, a good idea to drive with both feet. And for anybody out there who drives, you know that typically you drive with just one foot and let's just say the driving lesson does not end well. He slams on the brakes and it is another awkward interaction between Walt and Walt Jr. So meanwhile, Jesse is trying to find a new place to stay, but he is unable to do so. He tries to go, you know, to one of his friends' house. Doesn't work out. His the, the friend's wife comes in and says, actually, maybe we shouldn't let this guy stay here. He looks like he's homeless. Um, as he's trying to find somewhere to stay, his motorcycle gets stolen. He then sneaks back into the junkyard where his broken RV has been fixed, as you might remember, by Badger's cousin. He falls into a porta potty then sleeps in the RV overnight wearing a gas mask because the smell is so bad. And the next morning, Jesse sort of gets evicted by gunpoint from Badger's cousin, but then jumps back in, steals the RV, and drives it through the locked gate of the junkyard. Then we cut back to Walt and Skyler where they have a conversation where Walt, for some reason, continues to play dumb. Yeah, and on top of playing dumb, he starts out giving one of these very sincere but also very transparently fake apologies i wanted to apologize for everything my desire for privacy my emotional unavailability having cancer doesn't excuse all that i haven't been a good partner to you and for that i'm very sorry so Skylar isn't having any of this and she walks out of the house again without saying a word and right as she walks out Walt tries to follow her out and the RV is parked outside of Walt and Skylar's house Jesse has brought it over there Walt confronts Jesse says what are you doing why would you why would you think this is a good idea um, they have an altercation they fight um, it essentially ends with both of them falling onto the floor and Walt sort of gives in, and he gives Jesse half of his remaining stash of money. The end of the episode is we see Skylar sitting in a parking lot, and she's just sitting in her car, 
and she's smoking a cigarette. She's getting a dirty look from someone sitting next next to her in the parking lot who can clearly tell that she's pregnant. And then we cut to the credits. Zach, did I miss anything there in the summary? No, you did not miss anything. Thanks for that excellent summary. I will. Uh, I, I do want to pick up on this cigarette scene because that's my nomination for best scene in this episode. But before we talk about that, can we just back up a little bit and talk about the breakfast thing? Yeah, yeah, because that's definitely... So Walt is, we see in the gas station that he's obviously now uncomfortable, even if he wasn't in the hospital. When he was in the hospital, he snuck out, talked to Jesse uh, on the payphone, right? Said that um, he, or no, no, I'm sorry. Jesse called him from a payphone when Walt was in the hospital. Walt said, we got to get right back to it, right? And Jesse said, no way, man, we can't do that. And Walt said, what's changed, Jesse? So then we're in the gas station and we think, okay, these two are going to be coordinating plans to cook. But instead we find out now it's really Walt who has cold feet and Walt recognizes that his family is really reeling from all of the events of the previous episode and he has to sort of lay low. And then that's what sets up this breakfast scene where he is going out of his way to cook this massive breakfast and trying to convince his family that they are just the most important thing and he loves them so much and everything is hunky dory and totally normal. And when I was watching the breakfast scene, I was realizing that Walt in this entire show has a pretty obvious tell, I think. And that is that he talks a lot when he's up to no good. Oh, interesting. Because, because if you think back to previous episodes, when Walt is doing normal things, you know, being a chemistry teacher, interacting at a family birthday party, etc., he's a very tight-lipped man who's really kind of awkward, doesn't seem to partic- particularly like people. It's really hard to get him to engage at length in a conversation, but put him on the spot and make him make him uh, put him in a position where he is forced to convince people that everything is normal and everything is okay, and he will just talk and talk and talk. And so that's what we see in this breakfast scene where Walter Jr. slash Flynn comes out and then Skyler comes out and they're surprised that he's making breakfast. And then Walt just goes and he just keeps talking and talking and talking. And we see it at the end here too, when he's trying to have this, you know, fake apology to Skyler, Walt talks a lot in that. And he, you know, he starts off this thing with uh, like something that, you know, he heard about they do in Ireland and it's all very weird and out of place, but he just uses it as a way to try to normalize the conversation so that he can go ahead and talk his way out of it. And it never works because I think Skyler recognizes this is not the man I married. This guy's acting different and something is off here. But Walt, it's like he's, he's too uh, sort of his, his social or emotional intelligence is too low for him to recognize this very obvious tell. So he thinks that he's like trying to paper things over as best he can and Skylar is not buying it. So here's the sequence of events that happens during the breakfast scene. We see them eat breakfast. We see them sit down and eat breakfast. He has this massive breakfast prepared and and he explains like why he's doing it and what he's made for them. Then Walt Jr. leaves. He goes to school. And then for some reason, Walt decides to to bring up the second cell phone again. Do you think that if he had stopped... And, and not said anything about the second cell phone that Skyler would have just let it go, you know, and, and wouldn't have just straight up walked out of the house. I think that, I think that, yeah, that the sort of proximate cause of her walking out of the house was certainly the cell phone thing. And I do think that she was less suspicious. I mean, it was smart of Walt to talk about the, 
you know, fiction writing seminar or creative writing seminar that he thought Scott Eric would go to. And he offered to go with her. It seemed like a very good thing for a supportive husband to do of a, an aspiring writer like Skylar. And then, yeah, it was the, I think it was the cell phone that pushed things over the edge, but I still got this impression from a Skylar slash Anna Gunn who plays the character um, that, you know, I'm skeptical of my husband right here. Like this is out of character for him. I'm still not totally buying it. It seems nice. I want to believe it. But then as soon as the cell phone came on, the cell phone conversation came back in. I think that was when she thought you know, this, the switch flipped in her mind that she was like, oh, that's what this was about. He's just trying to convince me that everything is fine. Yeah. You got to think, when was the last time that Walt made breakfast? Right. And, and I was going to save this for nitpicks, but since we're talking about it right now, I'll bring it up now. So Walt, during his breakfast, this is what he prepares. Pancakes, <laughs> eggs, bacon, and then on the table, already prepared and out. I don't know if he made these or bought these at the, the gas station the night before, but he has croissants. He has muffins. I mean, this is the middle of the week. I mean, like, where did he think that this Typical was going to go? Typical school morning. Typical yeah. school morning. You know, it's like. <laughs> It's crazy. Like, what did he think was going to happen? Like, there's, there, it's, he's overcorrecting here. So he totally. went way too far the other way, and now he's going way too far the other way. So it's not a surprise that Skylar just up and walks out. She's like, I can't with this lying because it's to her, it's very obvious. And again, again, I think it's the tell. Like, it's not the, you know, the excessive amount of food is not the same as his excessive amount of talking. But it's still, like you said, he's going, he's swinging too far in the other direction. He's overcorrecting. And I think it strikes people as odd. You know, if, if he was his normal tight-lipped self, but friendly, and he cooked scrambled eggs and toast for everyone in the morning, I think that would be much less suspicious than, hey, let me just ramble on this monologue and talk to you all about what a wonderful day it is. And here's croissants and muffins and pancakes and bacon and eggs and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But I just, I just imagine like, if I had gone missing and and came up with this like cockamamie story and then all of a sudden I returned and just started cooking up like a massive buffet at home, I feel like my wife would be like, all right, something here does not add up. Like something is not right. Despite, you know, no matter how much I was talking or not right. talking, I feel like the the breakfast might have been the first tell. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, should we move on from the breakfast scene? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so... Now we're on the best scene nominations and uh, mine was small, perhaps insignificant in the eyes of many. And I think there are lots of good candidates for this, but I, when I think about the best scene nominations, I really appreciate short, short scenes that communicate a lot. And that's why I liked the Skylar smoking the cigarette at the end of this, because we have some powerful scenes in this episode. We have some really good dialogue, but I think one of the takeaways from this is how, I mean, the takeaway from the show in general is how destructive Walt's choices are to the people around him. And while he is ostensibly cooking meth for his family to get money for them, while he is uh, supposedly delaying the the resumption of meth cooking because his family can't deal with it, what ends up happening is his choices and his choices directly as they relate to his relationship with his wife drive his wife to the point where she is pregnant uh, at this point, probably seven months pregnant because in a previous episode of season one, she was six months pregnant. So probably seven months pregnant at this point, smoking a cigarette. So, you know, you're, she's close to full term, if not there already and smoking a cigarette, that's not good for uh, the baby's health, obviously not good for her health. And she knows that, which is why she sort of absorbs the glaring stare from her neighbor in the car next to her in the parking lot. And yet she does it anyway because you can see on her face she's just so stressed out by the events in her life. 
So is it irresponsible of her? Yes, it is. Do I fault her for that? No, I really don't because she has uh, someone who's sort of becoming a sociopath, uh, at least a pathological liar for a husband. And that's a very difficult thing, especially when that husband is dying of cancer. So um, I appreciate that scene just because of what it shows us about how far reaching Walt's consequence or the consequences of Walt's choices have become. He set he set out on this journey to harm to to help his family and already we're seeing his actions harm his family. You know, I really love that you pulled this out as your best scene because the more that I thought about it, the more I think that you're right that it illustrates something that is really important about the show and that is what you were talking about, unintended consequences. And I think that this scene would have been much much less powerful if Skyler had smoked in front of Walt. But I think the fact that Walt does not know and thinks still to this moment that he's not causing any harm to his family by what he's doing, I think that's what makes it so important. Because again, Walt set out, as you said, to do this for his family, and yet everything he's doing is coming back to hurt them in another way. And you could look at the the scene where Walt and Walt Jr. are doing the driving. I mean, it's clear that he's been absent and it's causing problems for their relationship. Like, yes, the driving aside, Walt Jr. is not a good driver. But had his dad been there the whole time, we, he might have avoided that. I mean, like, we're not seeing any serious consequences. It's not like Walt Jr. got behind the wheel and crashed the car and, and hurt someone. But you can imagine that that could happen because Walt is neglecting his responsibility as a father to teach his child how to drive. I mean, that's something that many parents look forward to or maybe fear for other reasons. Yeah, but, for sure. Definitely. Fear. But, you, but you know, like it's something that is sort of a rite of passage for a parent. Yeah. To take I mean, their I think child. If, if, if any, if anybody else besides me or Sally were to teach our kids how to drive, that would, that would hurt a little bit, you know? Right. Exactly. It's, it's something and, that a parent is supposed to do for a child. And I think that Walt's reaction to that you know, you might think that he would look at that situation with Walt Jr. and think like my being absent here has caused some damage. It's not permanent damage. It's not something that, you know, he's going to remember probably forever, but it might stick with him that his dad is not there for a seminal moment in his life. Yeah, that's a really good point, too. And I think a major theme of this whole episode is Walt's aloofness or disconnection. And we see that, like we talked about in the breakfast thing, where he is trying to make things seem normal, but he's going overkill, and he's totally unaware of how he's being perceived by his own family. And as you mentioned, the driving scene, as I mentioned this smoking the cigarette scene, he's not aware that Skylar is smoking a cigarette while seven months pregnant. Or we we didn't really talk about this much, but the the Walter Jr. to Flynn name change too. Mm-hmm. Right. That's yep. that's absolutely a reflection of the damage that Walt has done to the relationship between him and his son. And he's, again, totally ignorant of this, which is why when Walter Jr.'s friend comes to the door, that's when Walt finds out that Walter Jr. is going by Flynn. Skyler knows that. Obviously, you know, Walter Jr. has chosen it and she knows that's the new nickname. But Walt's totally unaware of this. And so he says, who's Flynn? And the friend says, your son. <laughs> it's, it's a really awkward <laughs> yeah. scene that highlights how out of touch Walt is with his family. Yeah. And this might be a little bit of a stretch, but you know, you can look at the other story in this episode, which is Jesse getting evicted from his house. And you can look at two parents, Jesse's parents, who really do care about their child and have done everything that they possibly can. And yet their child is not able to 
sort of respond to their love. And so you're seeing the opposite with Walt, where he's providing no love and no care and no attention to his family, and they're suffering from that. But then you can see the flip side where, you know, Jesse is receiving that love or has received that love for a long time from his family. And they're sort of at their wits in at this point, being like, we can't continue to support you living in this house. We can't, you know, we're not going to let you destroy what's left of, of your aunt and, and things like that. Yeah, I want to come back to that maybe in our few comments at the end when we talk about some broader themes because that's something I picked up in this episode as well. I think the the juxtaposition between Walt and Jesse and their respective problems in their own spheres of family life is a, is a major theme here, and I think there's a lot to sort of unpack there, so we can talk about that. In the meantime, I think we should go on to, the, to your best scene, Josh. So what do you have? Yeah, so my best scene was part of what we heard uh, during the recap, which is the Skylar and Walt it's not really a confrontation. Uh, it does turn a little bit more serious towards the end where they, they you know, Walt sort of uh, doesn't really know why Skylar is reacting the way that she is. And I know this was your best writing scene, so perhaps we can have a, a conversation in tandem here. But, you know, the, the thing about the scene that that I find really interesting is I can't tell if Walt is really sincere. So we're going to hear a little bit more of this scene uh, towards the end of this this confrontation between the two of them first. I feel like you're upset with me because you think that I'm up to something. Like what? I, I, I have no idea, Skylar. Yeah, so, you know, the thing that I thought most about this scene, you know, he then says, do you think I'm having an affair? No, she doesn't think that. And he's like, I'm not having an affair. He's, he's going to latch onto something that, you know, might be a typical... Uh, issue of contention between two people who are married who are having problems like that might be the first thing I don't think that Skylar would ever think yes you're cooking meth here that's probably not going to be her first reaction right yeah but my reaction to the scene was does Walt actually love his family like he says to Skylar or does he only say these things and only get so invested and worked up about it because at this moment it's something he can't have something he can't get and Walt as we've seen in the first season and a half of this show, he when he gets what he wants, he feels like he's on top of the world and he feels like he is this powerful person. When he doesn't get that, he strives, he, he like, as we talked about with the breakfast scene, he overcorrects. So I'm wondering, does he really feel these things or is he only being this dramatic because he can feel it slipping through his fingers? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I mean, in a... In a way, a lot of what Walt does is, I think, best understood through the lens of like your textbook psychological sociopath who totally lacks empathy um, because it doesn't seem like he loves his family, at least in the way that a normal person loves their family. And he's very bad at manipulating people. He tries, well... I should I should sort of qualify that. I think it's, he, he can be very good at manipulating people, but when he's trying to um, convince them through the genuineness of his actions that they should do what he's suggesting, that's when he's he's bad about it. So he's very manipulative and calculating, but that's how he gets things done through people like Jesse. Um, when he is trying to convince his wife of his affection for his wife or his uh, affections for the family, that's when he falls flat because it, it comes across pretty flat and it comes across pretty empty. So I think you're, I think you're right. I mean, he, we, we played in the summary that 
that scene where he's saying, for that I apologize, and he's really trying to act genuine here with Skyler. And if you're coming in cold and watching this acting performance by Brian Cranston, I think you'd think, oh, this man is genuinely apologizing. But knowing what we know, having watched this show, and knowing that he's still holding back on the very existence of a second cell phone from Skyler and pretending that there is no second cell phone, we think, how can the, how can any of this be truthful, right? How can any of this be genuine? And so we realize, oh, it is all a big performance. And it probably is because it's something that he can't have. Like, he doesn't have this strong connection with his family right now. And he realizes that's the one sort of weakness in his whole his whole persona, his whole armor right now. You know, I think that this is a good opportunity to sort of revisit briefly our question in the very first episode we did of this podcast, which is looking at whether Walt, you know, was always a bad person and that his circumstances just allowed that to come out or whether his circumstances sort of pushed him in this direction. And and hearing you talk about him being sort of sociopathic, I don't, you know, I'm not a psychologist. We don't have our expert a doctor of psychology on the podcast with us, but Next I don't episode, think yeah. that, yeah, I don't think that sociopathy is something that just comes out. Like, I don't think that it, it, I think that it's something that you're probably born with and that certain circumstances can draw that out. But I don't think that it's just something you develop just because you have a circumstance in your life. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I don't think, well, I guess there are a couple things. One, I don't think he is a textbook sociopath. I just think that the his actions in the show, or at least a lot of them, can be best viewed through that lens because um, while, there, while there are innate sociopaths, as I understand the psychology, while there are, are innate sociopaths, there are also people whose consciences are so seared by habituated vice that they become sociopathic and, and lack, you know, develop a... Um, have a developed lack of empathy towards other people. And I, th- I think I would put Walt in the latter category because, I mean, for example, we saw earlier flashbacks of him and Gretchen clearly being relational and it looked like there was a genuine chemistry between them. And, um, you know, having genuine relationships like that is something that sociopaths really have a hard time doing. The second thing I would say is that I would be obviously very reticent to say that, you know, he must be bad. He must have been a bad person from the beginning because he was a sociopath because some sociopaths are born that way. Obviously they're innate and uh, that's through no fault of their own. And I certainly wouldn't want to say that all sociopaths are bad people. Sure. Uh, sure. They certainly will have moral challenges in, or, or sort of challenges with making moral judgments that um, others of us would not have, but there can still be, um, I was actually, actually listening to a podcast about this uh, about a year ago or so. There can be sort of hab- ways of habituating virtue, even in, um, innate sociopaths that I think Walt just completely lacks in this show. Hmm. Interesting. So it's like the more vice he puts in himself and, and sort of is sort of sends out to the world, the more he has like an empathy blocker. So it's like, right. it's almost like a, a medicine that he's taking this vice and that the result of that is he's, he's blocking his ability to empathize with other people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think maybe to make it a little bit more concrete, I mean, Josh, you and I are both Catholic and we have this understanding in Catholic moral theology that sin is what uh, injures charity in the soul. And and mortal sin does not allow charity pers- to persist in the soul. Uh, venial sin does, but it still injures charity. And so basically the contention that, that I have uh, with respect to Walt in this show is that Walt's choices in his life have so badly injured the charity in his soul that he 
at this point, almost thoroughly lacks charity towards anyone and everyone in his life. And so he's unable to have normal relationships and he behaves in a sociopathic way to everyone in his life. Ah, that's interesting because you might think that if he were to confess and come clean, that he might have that ability to for charity again. But because what he's doing instead is continuing to spiral downwards, like he's just digging a deeper and deeper hole. When he has the ability to come out of it, he doubles down on his lies. And and even though on the surface it might look like what he's saying to Skylar here is sincere, we know that he's just digging deeper and deeper. Yeah, that's a really insightful point, actually, because that also has a corollary, of course, in confession, because when the Catholic goes to confession and confesses his or her mortal sins, uh, what it does is creates a bridge of reconciliation that restores the charity in the soul. And so like you're saying, if Walt were to actually come clean, there's absolutely a path to redemption for him, right? Hey, Skylar, I'm sorry I've been so aloof. You know, for that, I apologize. Here's what's going on. I had a terrible idea to cook meth because I wanted to save money for you guys because I love you all so much. It went so south on me. People have died. Here we are now. I'm sorry for all the ways I've hurt you. I mean, there, you know, bad things could come of that conversation. Maybe she would turn him into the cops. Maybe they would decide that he needed to turn himself in, you know, but there'd be a pathway for redemption that right now is just totally close to him because he's so hard headed and prideful and obstinate and won't admit any wrongdoing at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Did you have anything else on your best writing scene here, which was also my best scene, the Skylar and Walt confrontation? No, I don't think so. Uh, really good dialogue. That's just why I had it for best writing. And I think it, it sets up these characters, um, very well. I think these two characters have had such a good character development through the show to to this point, and this is a fine example of it, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. So my best writing scene was this scene where Jesse is asleep in his, his bed at home, and his mom comes over and, and basically says, you are going to be evicted from your house. We're going to have people come in and, and take your things. She didn't want to be here. I was the one who took care of her. I took her to her appointments and made her lunch every day. I earned this. You did not make her lunch every day. What'd you do? Huh? She's lying there, dying, and where the hell are you? Don't start with me. Oh, now, now what? You decided to, oh, I don't know, make your eldest son homeless? Wow! Great family, Mom! Why are you like this? Why? Okay, so there's a couple things about this scene that I, I think for me, make it the best writing in this episode. I think first and foremost, the scene is just really deeply sad because the the terrible, what you heard in that clip, the terrible slap that, that the mom delivers to Jesse, it's just really like, seems very choreographed in terms of the actual production of that scene. But, but, yeah, that, totally. but that aside, like the scene to me is very sad because this is a character in Jesse's mom who so clearly loves her son but doesn't know what to do you know she's like why are you like this like she doesn't understand the way that she and her husband raised him how he could turn out like this and as a parent myself and Zach I don't know if you've had this same thought but the thing that I've heard most from parents who feel like they didn't do their job is when their kids did not exhibit the behaviors and example that they provided as their children were growing up. I mean, it's, it makes, I've heard parents describe it as being one of the the deepest sadnesses they've ever felt because they've tried to, you know, impart wisdom and, and love on their children. And for some reason it just doesn't work. 
And I think that that is what I'm reading into the scene when when Jesse's mom says, why are you like this? That to me is just so truthful for for some parents in the world. And for me, that made it the best writing. Now, what I will say about the scene is this is one of the rare instances in Breaking Bad where I don't think that the acting quite matches the writing. So I think that the writing was really spot on here. I don't think that the person playing Jesse's mom is a is a tremendous actress. Uh, and, and I think that that really sort of takes away a little bit of the emotional impact of the scene. But as a parent myself, I was able to sort of see through that. And that for me made this the best writing. Yeah, I think your point about the acting is spot on. And that is sort of uncharacteristic for Breaking Bad because, I mean, I think one of the weaknesses of any TV show is that they spend a lot of money on the a-list actors and so the main characters are really good and then the auxiliary characters that come in for an episode or two are often really really weak because they're young inexperienced whatever you know they they uh they don't they don't demand a high price right so they can be afforded um breaking bad i think mostly gets around that i mean think of just like characters like badger or badger's cousin or skinny pete there there are a lot of auxiliary characters in breaking bad that i think are pretty good and and do a great job carrying that no, i think you're right yeah but she's she's an exception your insight about the why are you the way you are though is that's true and i think i didn't i, I well i know i didn't think about that when i was watching it but your your perception of that and what she's communicating in that desperate slap and then why are you the way you are that is pretty powerful and maybe this would be a good good time. I was going to save it for the end, but maybe we should talk a little bit more about the juxtaposition of Walt versus Jesse in this. Because yeah. I just think it's it's hard to miss when we really we literally keep cutting back and forth between scenes of Walt and his family and then scenes of Jesse and his family. And you know, Jesse is trying to straighten himself out and do things right. He's been in the life of drugs for so long and that's why his his he's lost the trust of his parents. But he's now, I mean, he's he's been trying to get out. He's trying to stop using at least. And he really wants to get out of the drug trade, which is why he told his friend he was going to move to Navajo, right? I mean, he said he said to multiple people in this show that he thinks he's just going to get out and move on. In the previous episode, he was trying to get a new job, and he told his dad that. His dad didn't believe him. So he's trying to get out of the drug world. And then Walt, of course, has been out of the drug world his whole life, and now he's making a very conscious move into it. Um, and yet what's happening to the two is, is also pretty similar. I mean, Jesse is being evicted out of his own house and Walt is sitting in his own house for almost the entire episode, but his family's not around him. Walt Jr. is out with his friend. Uh, he doesn't like doing the driving lessons. He eats pretty quickly at breakfast. Skylar leaves as soon as Walt tries to talk to her. And then she eventually leaves after the last conversation they have too, and then goes and smokes a cigarette. So, even though Walt has a house, he's not together with his family in that house. Jesse doesn't even have a house because he's being evicted by his family. Um, and so the, the juxtaposition is really interesting. And I just think it's it's really sad because, again, we see Jesse just sort of getting the short end of the stick. He's trying to do right, but his parents, he, he's, he's lost the benefit of the doubt from his parents because it's been time and time again that he said he's going to straighten out and he doesn't. And in their defense, I mean, even when she goes into his bedroom to evict him, she wakes him up looks like it's like 11 in the morning or something. It's pretty late. And, could be the uh, afternoon for all we know. <laughs> could be the afternoon. And uh, we didn't play this because we didn't have time. But 
he wakes, she wakes him up and then he's like, what are you doing here? And as he's talking to her and trying to convince her that he's really, you know, it was a good wake up call. He's really, uh, he's, he's going to clean up his acts and stuff. He's like putting away drug paraphernalia and like sliding it under the bed out of view and stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, totally transparent and very obvious. So, um, you know, Jesse's having his struggles and Walt's having his, but with Jesse, we sympathize, I think. And with Walt, it's very difficult to do that, even though their situations are very similar. Yeah, and one of the things that we're going to see is that what's going to turn out is that Walt becomes one of the only influences in Jesse's life, and Walt is clearly not a good influence, and and so Jesse's just going to sort of latch onto that. This this actually reminds me of something that I texted you recently that I wanted to talk about on this on this episode, and that is who who do you think? I guess it's two questions. Who do you think we're supposed to root for in this show? And, and who do you actually root for? And the reason this came to my mind is because I've been on, and I think I told you this too, I've been on a Better Call Saul kick recently. So Better yeah. Call Saul is the prequel to Breaking Bad, and it's going to feature a character that we're going to get introduced to in Breaking Bad in a couple episodes in season two. But but one of the things that I was thinking is that, you know, in all of these shows, in both Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, the, the main characters always have their flaws. But what to me, the flaws that the characters in Breaking Bad have are much harder to sympathize with. And maybe that's just because of where I come from personally. Like I've never been someone who's, uh, you know, experimented with drugs. So while I can see that Jesse has more of a sympathetic, you know, view, there's, there's something about all of the characters that there's just like a blocker for me that I can't quite embrace them fully. Does that make any sense? No, it absolutely does. I think that um, as far as the who you're supposed to root for and then who do you actually root for, I think the what I've heard from people who who watch Breaking Bad for the first time especially, because I think that's that's when this insight is the most powerful or the feeling is the most strong, is that you you end up rooting for Walt because what he's doing is so clever. He is trying to overcome the odds so much of the time. He is the underdog fighting cancer. You're rooting for him to succeed. Um, who I think you're supposed to root for? I don't know. That's a lot more ambiguous, I think. Because like you said, none of the characters is spotless. Um, there's a there's a major flaw, major moral flaw, at least one in all of them. But I think if there's a candidate, it would have to be either Hank or Jesse. Hank, of course, the DEA law enforcement agent, you know, good versus evil. That one's pretty obvious, I think. Jesse, because he is the true underdog. He's the one who's never been anything but an underdog. He's, you know, under the thumb of drugs and has a family who doesn't believe in him and doesn't have an education and all of these things. You know, the deck is stacked pretty, pretty thoroughly against him. So I think you're maybe supposed to root for one of the two of them. But I think one of the brilliant things about Breaking Bad is that it uncovers in the heart of the human viewer, this tendency to um, be very easily swayed over to the side of rooting for someone who's bad. And that's sort of the disturbing thing about watching it when you realize, oh, wait, I am rooting for for uh, for Walt to you know pull off this batch and make a lot of money. I am rooting for him to once again evade the DEA. I am rooting for him to, uh, to win this battle of wits with Tuco Salamanca, right? Um, it's kind of a disturbing thing when you realize how easily you were sort of mentally brought over to Walt's side, I think. 
Yeah, I can see the case for rooting for Jesse. And and upon watching it again, he is the one that I tend to root for. But it's, I totally it's, agree, yeah. It's, it's harder, though, for me to think about rooting for a character like that because a lot of his misfortune is of his own doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we see him in this episode have nowhere to stay because the $600 that Walt gave him, he spent on drugs. And, and so he has no money for, like, a motel, even, like, a cheap, 30 or $40 a night motel. He can't afford right. that. So like, it's hard to, to feel bad for him fully for, for falling into the porta potty and sleeping in the RV because he brought that on himself almost. Now, I don't know if it was, you know, his circumstances that he is an addict and he just can't help and, and certainly wouldn't judge someone who is truthfully addicted to something. And then that, that's a serious, you know, medical condition that he would need help for. But it, it does feel hard to like get fully behind him, maybe because I have no personal experience with that. And again, I'm, I don't want to judge people who do have experiences with that. But for me, that makes that character harder to root for. And then in terms of Hank, he's just sort of off-putting in a lot of the way that he talks some of the times, you know, like when he's behind the scenes with, with Gomi, for example, he's very callous in the way that he speaks. And he sort of has this bravado that that's not necessarily the kind of, it might be truthful to that that line of work or yeah. you know that person but it doesn't make it easy or for me to root for him as a character so i think it's interesting i definitely do root for jesse i think that that would be my answer for who i'm rooting for but i always find it interesting and i and i thought about it with better call saul because the character of saul goodman who we're about to meet in breaking bad he definitely has character flaws at least as far as i'm into that series i think I think I'm through the second oh, season. Oh, he does for point. sure, yeah. <laughs> but but for some reason his flaws seem less egregious, less harmful. I don't know what I don't know what the right word for it is, but I was just thinking that he is an easier character for me as a lead to root for than someone like Walt or Jesse. And we can talk more about him when we meet him in Breaking Bad, but it was just something that that crossed my mind. Do you watch Silicon Valley on HBO, Josh? I do, yeah. So uh, that came to mind when you were talking about this because I think one thing to bear in mind when you're sort of rooting for Jesse or wondering why you're not rooting for Jesse more or whatever the case is, is it can be really exhausting to root for Jesse or to root for Saul. Or I mentioned Silicon Valley because, you know, when you're rooting for Pied Piper to become a a big company, you know, you want them to win. They're the good guys. They're funny, whatever. They're entertaining. But they make all of these mistakes of their own making time and time and time again. So right when they're on the cusp of a big breakthrough, they fall flat on their face and it's totally self-inflicted. And so it is, it is kind of exhausting. And eventually I think you just sort of give up and you're just like, well, now I'm just along for the ride and I'm just going to watch this train wreck in motion. That's like, you know, it, it's in, it's in slow motion, but I can't look away because it's just so destructive. So um, that is kind of what comes to mind when I watch Jesse. All right. Should we move on to our best moment? I think you have a little bit more of a lighthearted moment that we can talk through here. That might, <laughs> I do. And that might pull us away from our deep conversation about who do we root for in this show? Yes, indeed. Well, as I as I just mentioned, you know, you, you root for Jesse to succeed and he, he makes these self-inflicted decisions. So he decided to climb the fence at Badger's cousin's house and then decided to uh, stand and just bask for a moment on the top of a porta potty. Uh, porta potty ceilings, of course, not known for their super sound structural integrity because they're not designed to support <laughs> 100, 180 pounds um, on two feet. So he falls through, gets soaked in the porta potty. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't. What do you call that? Like, like the 
The juice? The juice. The porta potty juice. Yeah. We'll go with it. The porta potty juice. So it's all blue, right? Because it has all the disinfectant and stuff. And then he um, clambers out of the porta potty, uh, basically limps into the RV, has to put a gas mask on because it smells so bad, and then falls asleep crying on the floor of the RV. I mean, it's um, it's humorous in a sort of dark way, I guess. But if, if that is not the lowest of the low for, for Jesse's character to have to have to fall asleep in the locked junkyard uh, where his RV is because he can't afford to, to buy it back uh, covered in porta potty juice after falling into the porta potty. <laughs> that's it doesn't get much worse than that. And I think that's my favorite moment because uh, it was just just points for creativity to uh, whichever of the show's writers decided to make that the way Jesse met his lowest low in this episode. Can we talk about the logistics now? Would you really crush Falling through the roof, would you crush the toilet aspect enough, the toilet part of the porta potty enough for all of the the blue disinfectant and, and you assume all of the waste that's in yeah. there to explode? Like it just seemed like was he wearing weights on his feet? <laughs> I know. I I, uh, I almost put this in my nits to pick because I was also unclear of the physics of that. I mean, I have not stood on the roof of a porta potty. I guess it's conceivable that it's really not that strong. And so if, especially if it's old, it's been baking sure. in the New Mexico sun for a while, whatever it's, it's brittle. I can see how you fall through that, but I don't really see how you fall all the way in, you know? Right. Exactly. It's like the, the toilet part of it would have to break away. <laughs> right. I, I don't know. The, the logistics of that are a little bit complex, but yeah. I agree. It is a, it's a darkly humorous moment in, in the episode. <laughs> yeah. Poor Jesse. So my right, best so, moment, yeah, your best moment, yeah, my best moment is the Walt and Jesse fight that we get at the very end of the episode, and I and I like it for a couple of reasons, but let's hear a little bit of that right now. You don't think you never figured out how to think, did you, Pinkman? I said I was sorry. I just need my half of the money, and I will go. Your half? There is no your half of the money. There is only my all of it. Do you understand? So this is I. This is really good writing too. Like. It allows both characters to be really intense, which I think all actors probably dream about. Like they get this moment to sort of like just unleash and and yell and be very excitable. But the thing that I like most about this scene is actually how it ends. So after that little uh, little bit of dialogue we just heard, they have a physical altercation and they're sort of throwing each other against things in the RV and things are breaking and it's it's kind of a sad fight because clearly neither of them are like really uh really they're not fighters let's say um you know you would never see yeah, them it's, in, it's a pretty ugly <laughs> ugly match you would never see them in the in the boxing ring or the uh the ufc octagon they're just not your typical typical fighters but what i like about the end of it is that they both end up on the floor and i think that is really symbolic of where they both are in their lives they are both oh, I didn't think sort about of that. at like their that. lowest. Like it's not that they end with one person punching out the other. They both fall to the floor and they're laying on their backs and they Exhausted. have both been yeah, they've both been knocked down to kind of their lowest low. Like Jesse doesn't have any money, Walt's family is is storming away from him. And so I think that that moment where you sort of see them visually on the floor, on the ground is really poignant and I think it speaks a lot to sort of their current lot in life at the moment. That's a really good analysis. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, it also occurred to me that as we were talking about how Walt becomes Jesse's only dad figure, especially after his own parents all but disown him in this episode, 
he really rips into Jesse. And uh, I don't think it was in the clip we just played, but um, Walt calls him a pathetic junkie and says he probably smoked away all the money that he gave him, which is true. And, um, you know, insults his intelligence and then basically calls into question what Jesse's role in their partnership even is because Walt does all the production and he's the brains behind the operation. And he basically says, you know, in the words of uh, office space, uh, what exactly do you do here? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so this is, um, you know, Walt's already blown it with Walter jr. Slash Flynn as a father figure. And, uh, now he's turning to his, uh, sort of foster son, Jesse Pinkman. And, uh, I don't know if you noticed this, Josh, but he, he doesn't even call him Jesse in the scene. He calls him Pinkman, which is interesting. It sort of creates, mm, creates distance and reduces intimacy and then just goes on to insult and then eventually, um, uh, verbal or physically assault him. So I think um, he's also sort of verbally abusing him too. And sure. I think that, Absolutely. I think one of the things that's saddest about their relationship is that Walt is going to learn and probably already knows to a degree that even when he says these things, Jesse's going to come back. So he's not going to leave that relationship. You know, when Jesse gets some money from Walt, which he does at the very end of the scene, he does have some power to sort of walk away. I mean, he could he could take his whatever it is, 15 grand, 20 grand and sort of start anew. But he chooses to continue to come back. And I don't know if that's a lack of ambition on his part or or what, but he just keeps coming back. And I think Walt knows that Mm -hmm. and he will continue to treat him thusly. And it's a really sad relationship that we're starting to that we're starting to see unfold and and continue to grow. Yeah, totally agree. So, did you have any nits to pick in this episode? You know, I didn't really. I have in our Google Doc here. I have one written down, which is just why does Scott or smoke in the car? Won't Walter Jr. smell it? Um, but I think I'm going to strike that because after we talked about it, I think Skyler's past the point of caring if anybody finds out. And I think that sort of explains why she smokes in the car. So in a way, it's less of a nit to pick and more just an observation that um, this is a this is a woman who thinks she's out of options and um, is really, really having a hard time. So I only had three little nits to pick. One, we already talked about the breakfast scene and how elaborate it was. The second one is not really a, a nitpick per se, but it's this whole like Flynn storyline. Yeah, and, what is up with that? My only problem with it is like, was this ever established as his middle name or where did this name come from? Like for me, it would be better if the character of Walt Jr. decided to go by his middle name and maybe it could be his middle name, but, but Walt seems to be confused as to where this name came from at all. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it. Cause he says as in what Errol, like Errol Flynn. Yeah. And it's like, okay, couldn't, couldn't he have just gone by his middle name and, but I guess if he's a junior, that might be still too closely connected with with Walt Sr. I, I don't know. The, the, but the whole thing is just sort of over the top. Flynn just seems like such a dumb name. Like if I was going to change my name, it certainly wouldn't be to Flynn. And so I don't know what Walt Jr. is yeah, thinking totally. here. But anyway, that that whole storyline kind of annoys me a little bit. I think it has a lot to do with the actual name, though. Yeah, I yeah, it's, it's strange. I I'll also am sort of confused about the name itself. It would be. It would be different if um if Walt had just adopted his middle name and then it'd be yeah. like, okay, that's understandable. He just wants to distance himself from sure. Walt. So middle name. But yeah, the Flynn thing is strange. Yeah. And my other nitpick was was that when Walt goes to give Jesse the money at the end of the episode, he remember he's keeping it in in a vent in his future child's room. So his future daughter who is on her way 
uh, Skylar, seven months pregnant. And Walt decides to put the money in what is essentially like a a to go diaper bag. So like yeah. for any parents out there, you know, you have these like little colorful bags that you can put diapers in when you're on the go. Uh, dog owners use them too to to clean up of their dogs, you know, when they're out uh, walking them. But those things are so freaking hard to open. Like (laughs) I have to like pinch my fingers together so many times and Walt on the first try just gets it right open and stuffs the money in. That is so inaccurate to how things are in real life. So that was, that was my parent nit nit to pick in this episode. Well, this is not a nit, but uh, actually you, you just reminded me with this whole diaper, diaper bag money scene. Um, Walt, when he agrees finally after they end up after he and Jesse end up lying on the floor of the RV when he agrees to split the money with Jesse he does he goes in with Jesse splits the money uh, according to stacks and then there's one stack remaining that that's not you know it's, there's an odd number of stacks basically and so it's a small moment but you probably notice it Josh Walt stares at that one stack and then looks at both piles and then decisively picks up the remaining stack and puts it with his pile and then puts it away. So yeah. it's not actually a 50 50 split. And he's very clearly taking more than Jesse. And he's the interesting thing is he's doing it right in view of Jesse too. Yeah. Like Jesse's Jesse's standing there watching him do this. And he's like, uh, that's mine. Well, I think it goes back to your whole thing about he has no, uh, he has no sort of recourse for charity like he he, right. he can't seem to and the only reason he's giving jesse the money i think at this moment is to get him to go away like he just wants to get him like it's not it's not for he doesn't feel bad for jesse he might a little bit but you can tell that he's just like get out of here with this rv right. leave me alone like if my family comes back and you're here this is bad so my interpretation is that he's giving him the money to say go away please and so you know even that is not very charitable it's more like self it's it's for self-interest and self-preservation. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we we already played that clip where he said there is no your half, there is only my all of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is a great line. Brutal. Yeah. All right, should we all do right, our well, MVP? Yeah, I think that's it. Then we can wrap it up. So right. um right now, let me just read the the character. You you've made this nice little table for us. I did. Google yeah, talk. it was getting confusing. So I made a table so we could Thank just you. see. And we can right, sort so- it by who has the most. I love it. Jesse five, Walt four, Crazy Eight two, Skyler four, Tuco four, Hank one, Walt Junior. This is this is this is uh Josh this is my is notes. here. Yeah. Walt Junior, aka Flynn, aka Breakfast. That's a good nickname. Zero yeah. Zilch never. <laughs> never gonna get an MVP vote. Bold I don't, prediction. I don't know if bold that's prediction I don't know if that's bold. I mean, I can't remember exactly <laughs> what happens in the later seasons, but I just I'd I'd, I'd soon as <laughs> give it to his Nothing unborn child at this point than than Walt Jr. aka Breakfast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So who's your MVP vote for this episode, Josh? My MVP vote for this is going to be Jesse. I think that he has the most to do in this episode. He reaches his lowest low. He sort of has to scrap the most. He has to be the scrappiest in this episode. I think that Walt storyline is interesting but because he's so insincere and we know that as an audience it's harder for me to give it to walt and i just think that aaron paul does such a good job as jesse in this episode even though i have trouble empathizing with him at, you know that we talked about earlier i i can find myself sympathizing in his darkest moments how about you that's a good one. Um, I'm actually going to go with Skyler in this one. Ah, which, interesting. Uh, I'm sort of, I sort of surprised myself with that because Jesse and Walt have really good acting performances in this. 
Um, Walt to me sort of was hurt by the, um, the few scenes that he was in just as far as like locations. He did a lot of, uh, a lot of work in the house alone. Jesse was more diverse as far as the locations that he was in and the interactions he had. But I really like Skylar. You know, when I was going back and pulling some of the audio from these clips, I watched the scene where Skylar, um, and played by Anna Gunn, is flipping through the mail that she just picked up from that mailbox outside while Walt is trying to talk to her. And I was just really blown away by the acting performance that Anna Gunn had that. She was, you know, absent, not, not absent-mindedly, but she was very deliberately going through the mail and listening to what Walt was saying, but very indifferent to it. And I just, as I saw that, I was like, she's actually done a really good job in this entire episode. Um, the various conversations with Walt or inter- her reaction to the breakfast scene in the beginning, um, the conversation, the heartfelt conversation that she and Walt begin to have before she realizes it's all a ruse at the very end. And then to close it all off, the smoking scene. So I thought that she did a very good job and I'm going to give my MVP vote to her. I think what's interesting about that is that Oftentimes we we sort of conflate the idea of best acting with most lines or best delivered lines. That's and true, I think yeah. that what Anna Gunn does here is show you how good of an actor you can be without having a lot of lines. She does a lot with the way she looks and the way that she sort of emotes uh, to the camera. And I think that was speaking of people with not a lot of lines. That was one of the criticisms that came out about Quentin Tarantino's new movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that Margot right. Robbie, who plays Sharon Tate, doesn't have a lot of lines, but she does a lot with not having a lot of lines. So I think that's a really nice pick from you to give it to Anna Gunn playing Skylar for this episode, which means that in the lead now we have Jesse, but just behind her with five MVP votes is Skylar. She is currently beating Walt. I don't think that will stick for the remainder of the show, but as of this moment, as of season two, episode four, she is currently beating Walt. Yeah, Shocking I also don't me. think that will stick, but yeah, that is surprising to me as well. I didn't think we'd find ourselves in this position halfway through season two, but um, I do think that she has a few more votes coming her way because if you think think on to the future seasons, yeah, Skyler, Skyler gets more involved in what's going on. Uh, yeah. And I think, and, and her acting does not lessen, so. All right, Zach, anything else on this episode? No, that's it, man. It's a pleasure to do this again with you. Thank you. Yeah, so that is Season 2, Episode 4, Down. We'll be back soon with Season 2, Episode 5, Breakage. Stay tuned for that on your podcast feed. Please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and we will talk to you soon. Bye.